Andy Media. I don't think it is a left-wing victory. I'll say it right at the front end, not because I'm a fan of the EU. I'm not, but um, I think you... I'll, I'll come, come to that in a minute. The, my concern or interest in this is less why people voted the way they did, what their motivations were. I don't think motivations matter a great deal in the world of politics. Everyone's got intentions. They do stuff. What, the difference in their intentions and what happens is generally quite enormous. What's important is what happens, what happens afterwards. What ha- what's the consequence? Now, like it or not, the main exit campaign was run by the extreme right. Cameron was, in my view, an absolute idiot to call the referendum, but it was a classic case of pandering to the right wing. He has been pressured from UKRP and right wing Tories, and he felt he had to do it. Um, and I think he's been caught in his pants down as a consequence. Now, they ran the campaign, and they ran it very strongly on a very simple argument. All the ills you face, all the cues of the doctor, all the weights that mess up to the NHS, all the austerity, all the lack of social services, that's all because too much money is going to immigrants. And why do we have immigrants? Because they come through the EU. Get rid of the EU, then no immigrants, therefore then we can have a good life back again. Okay, so classic right-wing magic bullet. Blame someone else outside of it and, you know, all will be right. And unfortunately, a lot of people actually fell for it. Now, yeah, a lot of British people hate the EU. They've been told for 40 years by the gutter press that the EU was the fault of everything that's wrong with them, and it's terrible. Um, back in the 1980s, it was too left-wing. Now it's suddenly too conservatively neoliberal. <laughs> Interesting how that changes depending on the, um, on the message. But yeah, there's a lot of dis- disliking of it. There's a lot of distrust of it. This is hankering after Britain should be, you know, a sovereign nation doing its own thing. You know, sort of a post, a sort of a post-imperial kind of hangover, if you like. There's all these kind of things going on. Um, a lot of working class people did, you know, are angry at the austerity they've suffered, and I think the vote does, in a sense, reflect that. It's um, people talk about anti-politics sometimes on the left, that people are rejecting the political system, the political elite overall, and their voting shows that. The problem is that it's a wide open space for the right to walk into and organise, and they have in this case. And the result of this referendum empowers them, it makes them feel that they're winning, it makes them feel they can come out in public. There's been a lot of reports in the last two days about fairly awful incidences just on the streets of people abusing minorities, abusing immigrants, Fuck off. We don't want you here anymore. When are you leaving? How dare you laugh? We're throwing you out. Physical assaults, all kinds of stuff. It's that kind of ugliness that has been empowered by the vote. And I think left groups like the SWP, however clever their theoretical reasoning and however much they try to claim now that the, the chaos in British politics as a result of the vote was somehow a victory for them, I'm just putting a spin on it. They really... Well, I think they started with, with the fascists on this issue, and it's, it's appalling. It has certainly left uh, left the left, um, mind the phrase, in turmoil in the UK. Uh, opposition leader Jeremy Corbyn has lost uh, almost 16 of his shadow cabinet yep. members. Yep. Uh, and the Labour Party are really in a considerable disarray, and it might be, in fact, the, very, the end of the, the Corbyn... Uh, 
you know, movement, I guess. Um, and unfortunately, we've also seen the end of Sanders and so forth. Where, where do you think this leaves the left in the UK? Yep. And is there any hope of uh, rescuing something positive from this yeah. result? I, I, I would like to see Corbyn hang on, but I think he's done. The Parliamentary Party have always disliked him. They've been waiting for the opportunity, and they've got it now. Um, in a Parliamentary Party vote, he'll go down. The membership would vote for him. But the interesting thing is, again, the polls indicate that most of the voters don't like him. So, you know, this is something the Parliamentary Party can point to. Tories are in disarray. We've got a leader people don't like. They're not going to vote for him. <laughs> so it gives, it gives them more ammunition. Um, uh, we, look, what has to be done is a concentrated, organised campaign to roll back and push back the right. Okay? It, it's very unfortunate that so many of the left can be seen now suspiciously and as having enabled the right. I would have a great deal of difficulty having any confidence in the political judgment of people who had, you know, had, who had supported the Lexit campaign. I really would. And that does make it very hard for people to work together. But I don't know what other options there are. Of course, this uh, is going to have ramifications, not just for the left in the UK, but more broadly in Europe. Uh, Fascists are just absolutely salivating at the opportunity in France in particular uh, to to push for, uh, you know, France to leave the EU and elsewhere, Poland with their uh, far-right government uh, already, um, you know, even well before this have been making uh, moves at exiting from the EU. Where does it leave the left in Europe? I actually would be surprised if the British actually leave. The referendum is not binding. It's just an opinion. Parliament hasn't got to agree to it. So in that sense, it's perhaps just a political manoeuvre by certain Tories and far-right politicians? happened, Cameron has said, okay, I'm going to step down in October. That's when the Tory party conference is being held. So basically what he's saying is, you guys work out who you want as leader after October. Now, they could perfectly well turn around and say, we want you, we're going to vote you back in. Mm. Okay? Now, the obvious candidate is Boris Johnson. Now, Boris is sitting going like, okay, Cameron's basically, he's basically said, it's up to the person who succeeds me in October to, to trigger the exit, to trigger Clause 50 and start the processes. I'm not going to do it. It's up to my successor. So, if I do it, the financial establishment, the people who support the Tory party, big capital, they're going to be pretty damn angry at me. I'll lose. If I don't do it, then I'm going against the wish of the population. I'll lose. (laughs) Effectively, in a sense, he's stymied Johnson's campaigns. So in some ways, Cameron has actually, although he's, he's skated into a very dangerous territory, I suspect I would be actually surprised if they leave and if he actually ends up not being leader after October. I mean, that may throw the Tories into somewhat of a turmoil and we may not well, even see an exit, and they already are. But it, 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 it may, it may. But it also uh, might see the rise of, you know, a return of the EDL and the BNP and these other... Yeah genuine fascist forces that are, yeah. are now mobilizing yeah. and if if uh, Johnson doesn't leave then it, it, it's well within reason that these forces will uh, mobilize yeah well that's the danger because of course these guys are now feeling you know they've got their tails up as we you know you, you could say they're really feeling they've, they've won 52 percent of the population supported us 
Um, now, whether people, you know, a third of the population were inspired by immigration or 20% or 80%, it doesn't really matter. The point is they're going to say 52% supported us. We're on a roll. We're the winners. People are banking us up. And in the absence of any leadership or organization or effective campaign from the left to educate, to show people what a spurious argument this whole EU immigration thing is, the streets go to the right. And we've seen this in history. And that is a terribly dangerous, terribly dangerous thing. And it's not, as you say, not just in the UK, but there's all kinds of murmurs all through Europe as well. Um, in the Netherlands, the, uh, the right there are quite empowered as well at the moment, thinking they can, they can probably pull out too. It's, it's, yeah, it's a shit mix, mate. <laughs> Certainly is. And um, I guess also even just here in Australia already, Turnbull has, uh, you know, attempted in the week leading up to the election to, to jump on this uh, idea of, you know, what a great thing it is that they're maintaining strong borders and so forth. Although it's unlikely to have a huge uh, impact on, uh, you know, the federal election here, do you think that... I don't, I don't think it'll have much of an impact on the federal election. No. Um, it's a long way away and it's not really relevant and, you know, Australia's not in the EU and, you know, I mean, I can see a lot of export businesses um, and export section of capital getting anxious because they use the UK as their entry into the common market, into the EU for, you know, for, for, for trade. Now, if the EU does go, you've got border controls back up and no free movement of goods and stuff like that, then it becomes, ugh. You know, I, I can see some real issues from, on the, from the Australian business side. What they can do about it is very little. Um, but there will be concerns expressed, you know, at the level where, where Turnbull... I mean, let's not forget that Turnbull is not just an agent of capital, as most prime ministers normally are. He actually is capital. You know, with Turnbull's takeover, the Australian ruling class actually took over politics rather than having someone do it in their behalf. And that's, that's quite interesting development too. So, he, you know, his, his conversations are with these people all the time. So they'll be, you know, putting pressure on him to probably pressure the Brits. But, you know, it's, that's hard politics stuff. It doesn't operate at the street level. Certainly. We might leave it there, Cedric, because if I started talking to you about what is to be done, we'll probably be here for oh. good into the, uh, the, the, at least the next hour. My, my argument would simply be what, what the left should have done in Britain and all across Europe for ages now is recognize that you have to build a continent-wide, a transnational movement. You know, the Greeks needed that last year. It wasn't there and they went down. You know, what was needed was a transnational left movement to take on capital in all the centers of Europe. Unfortunately, the left in Europe and elsewhere is really mired in this old-fashioned nation-state worship. It is essentially nationalist, and it is mired in this idea of, you know, we can do things only within the, our own state, and part of what's driven this idea of national sovereignty and, you know, security and out of the EU has been precisely this kind of residual, oh, well, you know, if we're out of the EU, we can vote in the Labour government and change things. Well, No. You could get out the EU. They could vote in a Corbyn government. And within a week, Corbyn will be on notice that the financial market's going to slaughter the pound unless he changes his tactics. And they would. And capital wins. 
So it's a mythology that somehow, you know, we, we can wind the clock back to this era of, of nation states that can go it alone into a glorious dawn of social democracy or welfare or socialism or whatever else. You've got to build a transnational movement. You've got to fight. You've got to globalize from below. You've got to fight on all fronts across the world. And I don't think the left has really learned that lesson yet.